am I am I on now? Okay, good, good. Um, I, I'm so glad to be back, and this time I brought my family with me. Um, they volunteer in our home church, and it seems like every week someone is scheduled in something else. Like my kids are greeters, and so- sometimes they help in children's ministry, and my husband helps with the worship team. But this week nobody was scheduled, so we all came. So there they are. And um, <laughs> thank you for welcoming them. I think the last time my kids were here, they were about yay tall. So um, they've grown a little bit since then. <laughs> But it's good to have them, and it's good to be back. Uh, last week, we read from Psalm 118 that said, It is better to take refuge in God than humans. It is better to take refuge in God than princes. And so we talked about what it is like to rely on God, to rely on the Holy Spirit, when we don't have that human leader to follow. We looked at how Jesus prepared the disciples for that. At the Last Supper, John chapters 13 through 17 records the conversation that he had with them at that Last Supper and how he prepares them for when he's going to be gone. And they no longer have this human spiritual leader that they can see and easily hear. And they have to figure out what they're supposed to do. And Jesus does a few things in those chapters. He First of all, he comforts them over and over again. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He says, it's good for you I'm going because I'm going to send you something even better, the Holy Spirit. And he instructs them on the Holy Spirit and that they should listen to the Holy Spirit. He tells them things are going to get tough, but the Holy Spirit will teach you in those times what to do. And then he says, even though I'm going to be physically absent from you, if you obey my command, I will remain with you. And you'll remain with me. And my command is this, to love one another. And so he really keeps it very simple for them in knowing, okay, we don't have to worry about everything. We just, it's, keep it simple. We gotta love one another and listen to the Spirit. And so this week I promised you we would have a very practical message about how we listen to the Spirit. Because the Spirit can seem like this kind of mysterious thing and how do we tell between our thoughts and the Spirit's thoughts? So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to look, first of all, at these verses, chapter 14 and and chapter 16, where where Jesus describes the Holy Spirit. We're just going to read them pretty quickly. And then we're going to use that information to form a framework for how we can discern the Holy Spirit's thoughts and guidance from our own. Does that make sense? All right, so let's dive into this. Our first verse is John 14. Verses 16 and 17, Jesus says this, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. I'm just going to pause right there. Because in these chapters, Jesus actually, he repeats this phrase four times. He really wants us to know that the Holy Spirit comes from God the Father. And I think, why is that so important? Why would he say that over and over again? Well, today... I know, and I'm guessing it it was the same back in the disciples' time. When people want wisdom and guidance, there's a lot of different spirits they can go to. There's a lot of different ways. Spirits who, who give readings through tarot cards, you know, or Indian spirits, nature spirits, 
I've been seeing a lot about rocks and energies, spirits coming from different minerals and things like this. I mean, we have so many different ways of trying to connect with different spirits. And people are to get wisdom and strength and all of these things. And Jesus says over and over again, look, the true spirit doesn't come from nature. It doesn't come from an ancient Egyptian guide. It does not, none of the, the true spirit comes from God the Father. That is the only spirit, the only energy you need to be seeking. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Meaning, besides Jesus, because Jesus is our advocate, who is in heaven advocating for us. Why does the Spirit come? To help you. To help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. So he embodies the truth, he only speaks the truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. Well, that's interesting, too. You don't see the spirit. There's a lot. There's also a lot of different things out there about spirits that appear. And um, even in, in uh, some related, like Catholicism, they have stories of where different spirits appear, Mother Mary appear, or other things, and people go there and worship. Jesus is quite clear here. The Spirit of God is not going to appear that you can see him. All right? It neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him because he lives with you and will be in you. You don't have to go anywhere to seek God's Spirit, the Spirit of truth, the Spirit of power. He is with you. All right? And next, let's look at the next verse. John 14, 26. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. That's important. The Spirit will teach you all things. There is no subject that the Holy Spirit of God cannot give you wisdom about. All things. And the Holy Spirit especially likes to remind us of the things that Jesus has said. All right? Let's go to the next one. John 15, 26. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father. Do you see how Jesus is really emphasizing this? Yeah. He will testify about me. So the Spirit shows who people who Jesus is. Um, John was written in the ancient Greek language, and the Greek word for, that we translate advocate there, it's actually a word that means lawyer. Like the Holy Spirit is a lawyer and Jesus is kind of on trial and people are trying to figure out, is he the son of God or is he not? Is he the savior or is he not? And the Holy Spirit is the one who comes to us and helps us connect the dots that Jesus truly is the son of God and the savior of the world. All right, John 16. Verses 7 and 8, Jesus says this, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Have you ever just like longed for Jesus to still be here? I have. So you could just see him and talk to him and yes. Jesus says, it's actually for your good that I'm going away. I mean, the spirit is better. 
Unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. So that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. He convicts us of sin. And I want to be careful to say he and not it. Because the Spirit is a person. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are three persons that all relate in this perfect love relationship that is the one God. All right. Um, the next verse, John 16, 12 through 15. Jesus says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. They're really grieving. They can only take in so much information. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he hears. And he will tell you of what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me that he, which he will make known to you. So the God the Father has given everything to God the Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, I will make known everything to the Spirit, and then the Spirit will make known things to you. He will give you wisdom and power. And so that's how we stay connected to God the Father and God the Son, is through God the Holy Spirit. I want to be clear about one thing. Um, Over and over in these verses, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit speaks to us. This is the Greek word, la'eo, la'eo. It literally means to speak, to say, to chatter, or to whisper. So the Holy Spirit lives inside us and speaks not in an audible voice, but he does whisper thoughts to us. So how do we tell the difference between our thoughts and the Holy Spirit's thoughts? We have three frames of reference, and I'm going to break these down for you with practical examples from my own life, okay? Um, But the first is God's Word. The second is Jesus himself is a frame of reference for us. And the third is our experience as we obey his voice, all right? That becomes a frame of reference, too. So let's start with the first one, God's Word. It's the most important... The first and most important frame of reference is God's word. There's no skipping this. Jesus says the Holy Spirit does not speak on his own, right? He only speaks what? God's word. He only speaks what God tells him. He only speaks God's word. And so we have right here God's words. (laughs) We have that. And so there's nothing that the Holy Spirit is going to say to us that is going to contradict what is already written out in God's Word. Everything that He says to us and whispers to us is going to be in agreement with what's already here. But if you don't know what's in here, you can be easily deceived. Proverbs said that... Proverbs says the human heart is deceitful above all else. Who can understand or who can trust it? We deceive ourselves. We justify a lot. And if we do not know God's word, we'll get our thoughts confused from 
the Holy Spirit's because we don't know that we're contradicting God's word. There's been so many times in my life where God has spoken to me by bringing verses to my head. Um, one time, I won't tell you the whole story, but I had witnessed something pretty horrific. And it really broke me. And I was really angry at God because I couldn't understand how he let it happen. And so I was, I was battling it out with God. And he started bringing these scripture verses, just started popping into my head. And I fought through those scripture verses, but God keep bringing, bringing them to me until I, I finally realized, okay, I've got to trust him no matter what. That's a whole big story that maybe I'll share with you someday. But that was a life-changing event for me. That was the day my faith went from being the faith I was raised with to the faith that I chose. That was the day that I had to grapple with the problem of evil in the world and say, okay, God, no matter what, I'm going to choose to follow you anyways. But if I hadn't known scripture, I would have known that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. Right? We need to know God's word. There's no shortcut for this. I just think about it for a moment. Um, when someone you love calls your name, like it could be your spouse or mom and dad or a child, when they call you, you recognize their voice, don't you? You're like, oh, you know, even if they're in another room or if they're on the phone and you didn't have caller ID, you know their voice. Why is that? Because you've spent so much time listening to them, right? We listen to the people we love. Jesus in John, he says, my sheep know my voice and they follow me. He also says over and over, if you love me, you will obey my commands. If we love him, we will spend time listening to him so we can obey him. Not because we're coerced to, but because we trust him. So I just, I want to challenge you to get in God's word. Really, really, really get in God's word. Um, I know it's not easy. I know for myself, for many years, I would make a New Year's resolution every year. Okay, I'm going to read the Bible every day. And every year I failed. <laughs> it never lasted long. And um, then I started just praying for the desire to read God's word. And I said, God, just help me hunger for your word. Help me long for it. Help me long for those devotional times. You think he answered that prayer? Yeah. And so then I started to actually want to. Like, it's hard to motivate yourself. <laughs> so ask for it. Ask for the desire. And then it was, okay, God, show, show me where I have time to read your word. That was the next battle. And he increasingly helped me make more and more time for reading his word. I couldn't do it on my own. I had to ask for help. But if you struggle, ask. Just ask God to make you want to. It gets a lot easier. Um, so read God's word. I remember when they were like babies and toddlers. It was so hard for us to make it to a Bible study. 
because you work and you make dinner and then your kids go to bed. And, and so we started doing Zooms. This was before COVID. Like us with our friends, we'd all put our kids to bed around eight o'clock or whenever. And then we would get on Zoom late at night and we would read a chapter of scripture together. And we would just keep it really simple because we're like, you know, no sleep parents of infants. And, <laughs> and so we would, four questions. What does this teach about God? What does it teach us about humans, ourselves, like what are humans like? What is commanded? And is there any hope or promise given? And those were the four questions we used and we would just work through those and it was simple but it was very effective and so i encourage you to read god's word like that get in groups even if it's over zoom and read god's word with other people i am going to put in a plug for paper bibles okay i am not against screens we use them in our church i'm not against cell phones i use my own cell phone with a bible app and take notes in it and stuff like that but here's here's why I I'll plug you to get a paper Bible. Because so much of God's word you have to understand the context that it's in. And on your screen you can see like one or two verses at a time, right? And so like right here, John chapter 14, G, verse 15, Jesus says, "If you love me, you will obey what I command." It's like, "Huh, what is this command?" You can be on your cell phone, you can be scrolling up you can scroll down. You can scroll all the way through chapter 14 and you're not going to see it. But if you look in the previous chapter, if you just skim like command, 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 command. Oh, here it is. A new command I give you. Love one another. I wonder if that's the one he's talking about. Let's flip over to 15. To just scan, scan, scan. Oh, here it is. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love just as I obeyed my father's commands and remained in his love. Now, this is my command that you love one another. You know, so much of scripture is like that. Where the richness of what is being taught, you have to be able to kind of flip and see what comes before it and see what comes after it. And if you're just reading your Bible on a screen, that's like eating chicken nuggets. You know, it's convenient. They taste all right. Not the most nutritionally rich. Right? This is your steak dinner. There's like, we can fit at most one verse up there. There's like 60 you can look at at the same time right here. Okay? Your understanding of scripture is going to go much deeper if you use a paper Bible. The other reason I recommend it is because when I'm on my phone reading scripture... There's a text that comes in. There's an email alert. I end up on Facebook. I end up Googling something. You know, that's just, that's my struggle. So I will make a plug that you get in a quiet place with no electronics. And you say, God, give me a desire to read your word and show me and teach me. And just see what comes out of it. Okay? You can also listen to God's word. My son's been doing a lot of this lately. Is it okay? Okay. I have one kid who is always for me talking about her and the other kid who is not. So, But he, um, he's been listening to this CD 
with the Bible on it, reenacted, you know, read by actors, and he's been listening to that every night and kind of falling asleep to it, which I think is pretty great. Um, we have Seeds Family Worship, which is worship songs that are Bible verses that we've had since they were like little kids. They still like to listen to them. Uh, last year, just all honesty, I was, I was depressed. Um, I think COVID, our, my father-in-law died. There was a lot of things. We had a lot of loss. And I usually listen to Christian worship music in the car, but I found that it was depressing me. <laughs> Cause like every song was about how tough the world was. <laughs> and I'm like, I just don't need to constantly be reminded that things are tough right now. And I started to listen to those Seeds Family Worship. And every time, Scripture uplifted me. So pray for it, read it, listen to it, but start getting in to God's Word because there is no shortcut on this, guys. There just simply is not. I remember um, a few years, I don't know, probably five years back, my mother-in-law always has guidepost magazines in her bathroom. So every time we go there, read a guidepost. And there was a story of this actress, I won't name her, but she had started dating this guy and he proposed and she said yes. And then afterwards she realized, I never asked God about this. And so she was sitting at her like dressing table and she's like, oh God, um, okay, well, I'm going to throw my ring at this cup. And if I make it, then I know I'm to marry him. And if I don't, then I, w- I won't marry him, God. And she goes, I'm a horrible shot. So, you know, it would be a miracle if I made it. Well, she made it. And she's like, oh, that's a miracle. God told me I can marry him. Okay, so she marries him. Two years later, I read about their divorce because the guy had been constantly cheating on her. There's just no shortcut. There's no shortcut. And your life is too valuable to guess at. Your life is too valuable to guess at. You have access to truth. You have access to the spirit who, can, who Jesus says will reveal to you what's about to happen. Will give you wisdom about what's coming up in the future. Your life is too valuable to guess. So get yourself in God's word. Okay, the second frame of reference is Jesus. Hebrews 3.1 says that Jesus is the exact representation of God. He is God. He came to earth to save us, but he also came to earth to show us what God is like. So if you want to know how God handles injustice, look at Jesus. If you want to know how God comforts us, look at Jesus. If you want to know how... God, the Holy Spirit, is going to speak to you and teach you. Look at how Jesus spoke and taught his disciples. He's our example. After all, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would remind us of whose words? His. Yeah. So, I'm study the person of Jesus. Jesus often would teach by asking questions. There will be a lot of times a question will pop into your head. That is the Holy Spirit wanting you to reflect a little deeper on something. But the more you study Jesus, the more you will understand how the Holy Spirit sounds to you. Um, in her book, Listening to God, Marilyn Hans, she's 
uh, Wesleyan pastor's wife, retired now, but very wise woman. This is what she wrote about how to distinguish the Holy Spirit's voice from the enemy's voice and from our voice. She said this, God's voice is a beautiful blend of gentleness and power. God has the ability to speak to the depths of your soul, bringing profound peace and joy. A sweetness prevails even when he is pointing out a wrong. His voice will seek to help you correct your behavior, yet he will never condemn you or demean your worth. God's voice specifically tells you what you need to confess. He makes it very specific. His voice will always communicate a love that draws you to him. Contrast that to the voice of self. This is what she says our thoughts sound like in our head. The voice of self is recognizable by selfish requests and desires. Our own voice is full of self-pity and self-righteousness. That we deserve this. It wants to gratify fleshly desires. The voice of the enemy condemns, is cunning, negative, and critical. He brings up past sins you've already repented of. That's not God. That's our enemy. Satan can make you feel guilty or shameful, but you won't be able to specifically identify the cause in your feelings. It's that voice just says, you're stupid, you're dumb, you're worthless, you're, you know, that voice. That's our enemy. The Spirit of God, on the other hand, hones in on an area of your life and shows you a specific way to get rid of the guilt. You guys, we're God's children. He knows we are going to make foolish and sinful decisions. That does not surprise him. And the Holy Spirit will convict us. But when the Holy Spirit convicts us, his voice upholds our worth. That we are God's children. And he will hone in on the specific sin that we're to repent of. As opposed to just shaming us. Um, For example, in John 13... That's where we've been floating between 14, 15, 16, John 13. Peter asks Jesus, he says, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. This is at the Last Supper, right? You remember how Jesus responds? He asks a question. He wants Peter to reflect. Will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But look at the next thing he says. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. Jesus doesn't shame Peter. He doesn't call him. Peter, you are so full of yourself. You think you're brave. You're a coward. He doesn't shame him. He makes him reflect. He tells him the truth. And then he comforts him. And that's how the Holy Spirit speaks to us. So our first frame of reference is God's word. The second is Jesus. And the third is experience from obedience. There is so many times where God tells us to do things that don't make sense. 
And um, I think the ultimate example of this is Abraham and his son Isaac, where God had promised Abraham a son. He said, through this son, there's going to be nations born. And then later on, God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. Okay, that doesn't make sense on a lot of different levels. But um, I can only imagine how Abraham, as he's walking to the place of sacrifice with his son, is like, what if I just had a bad dream? What if that was a nightmare? Did God really say that? Right? But he goes ahead and prepares the son as a sacrifice. And God, who's faithful, stops him, right? And he did it as a test for Abraham to test his faith. He did it as a symbol to show that someday God would sacrifice his own son for us. But I just think from that point on, Abraham never had to wonder what God's voice sounded like. He knew. He knew that was God. And the only way he knew it was God was because he actually obeyed. When the Holy Spirit prompts us to do something, whether that's something simple like going and talking to our neighbor or our coworker and giving them that Easter invite or, or whatever, the more we do that, the more we see God's blessing and the more that confirms in our head, this is what God sounds like. Does that make sense? Um, the first time that this, this really happened in my life, it's happened many times, but the first big time, um, I was praying with my brother and, um, another woman named Denise. Now I was, I think we were all in our early twenties and Denise was just heartbroken over her parents. They had gotten a divorce. Her dad was not saved. And, um, I don't, I'm not sure if her mom was saved or not. She had, Denise had become a Christian after her parents were divorced. And she just, man, she had a prayer burden for her parents. And so we were praying for them and praying for them. I think we prayed for like an hour and a half. And when I say we prayed, I mean Denise prayed, right? We might chip in every once in a while, but we mostly were just listening while this young woman just poured out her heart to the Lord. And this thought started to pop in my head. She needs to call her dad. She needs to call her dad. And I would just kind of like brush it off. I'm like, okay, I got to concentrate. Because I don't know if you've ever been with someone who's prayed a long time and had problems concentrating. That's where I was. And I'm like, you know, and I also wonder, maybe I just want her to call her dad so this will stop. Um, you know, like all of these kind of things. But I just like pushed off the thought. But it kept coming back. She needs to call her dad. She needs to call her dad. And so finally, there's kind of like a pause. And I'm like, Denise, I think you need to call your dad. And she's like, okay. She put her head back down and kept praying. And I'm like, well, I tried. <laughs> And, and, but the thought kept coming. She needs to call her dad over and over again. That simple. But I could not ignore it. And so finally I was like, Denise, I think you need to call your dad now. And she just looked at me 
And I was kind of like, I was not the most assertive person back then, so this was a huge step for me. And she's like, well, he's asleep now. Like, he would sleep now. And I don't even get cell service over here. Like, I have to go across the road to call him, to call anyone. And I'm like, well, you could just try, you know. (laughs) And she's like, okay. And I think she did it because she was dating my brother, and I'm his sister. And she's like, all right, so I'll just do it because you're my brother's sister. But um she called her dad. And she's like this and she's like, oh, "It's ringing." I can't believe what's going through. It's ringing. She's like, "What do I say to him?" And I was like, like "No. I didn't hear anything about that." Right? And so he picks up the phone. And she's like, "Dad, Dad, I just wanted to tell you that I love you and Jesus loves you and I know you don't know him right now, but he died for you, Dad. I know you've made a mess of your life and you've done all these things you're not proud of, but Jesus loves And she just like, this whole gospel just spewed out of her. <laughs> and um, they had this wonderful conversation and they agreed to meet later that week. And that began her, began her reconciliation with her father. They began to meet every week. And within a few months, he became a Christian. And within a year, he and her mother reconciled and remarried. And that happened because of her heart of prayer for her parents and the work that she did. But I think, man, what if I hadn't spoke up? And from that point on, I never really had to doubt what God's voice sounded like in my head. I had a frame of reference. And I could distinguish between his thoughts and my thoughts. But if you never take that step of faith to do that risky thing you think God might be asking you to do, you're never going to have that frame of reference. In my head... God's voice sounds like a mountain. Like if I can just get, like my thoughts sound like a babbling brook running in a million directions. It's like, oh, well, we could do this and we could do this. Well, what if this happens? That's the sound of my thoughts in my head. And in the midst of that, there comes this, do this. And it's always very short, like just a few words. It's very simple. I think of Jesus when he was telling his disciples and their minds are like, he's going, what do we do? He's like, love one another, (laughs) right? That's what Jesus is. Well, the Holy Spirit's voice sounds in my head. It's just this very short boom in the midst of my wandering thoughts. And it's not harsh, but it has this authority and kind of concreteness to it that my thoughts do not have. The last tip I want to give you um, comes from James chapter 1, verses 5 through 8. I don't have it on the screen. If you have your Bibles, you can turn, flip over there. But James chapter 1.
my Bible has the thinnest pages. Um, James chapter 1 verse 5 says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, if any of you lacks wisdom about anything, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Wow, you guys are good. All right. So it doesn't matter if you've been particularly sinful lately or not. God will always give you wisdom when you ask. Okay? But when he asks, this is a big but, he must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So you can always ask for wisdom, but when you hear, you must believe it and not doubt it. And so this is how I've applied that in my life. I have prayed many times, God, I don't know what to do about this situation. I tend to be kind of blind and dumb, but I want to follow you. So if you give me a neon blinking sign, I will do it. But you have to make it really obvious. And then I will just wait. And so often the answer will come to me right then when I'm praying. A lot of times we pray for wisdom and things and then we say amen and we get up and go. The answer can come while we're praying. So one time, um, I did this with my daughter, Mikal, and she has given me permission to share this story. I think she was around five years old, and she was having um, a reoccurring behavioral problem that is not uncommon for five-year-olds. And um, I was trying to help her through it, and we had talked about it, and I taught her things and tried just different discipline methods, but nothing seemed to be working. And so I tried something else, and it would work for two weeks and then not work again, and yeah, it, it got to the point where I had researched everything I could, and as a mom, I was just stumped. I didn't know what to do anymore. And so I called her into my room, and we sat on my bed. And I said, you know, Mikhail, this is going on, and, and you know it's not good. And um, we've I've tried to help you, but I, I, don't, I don't know what to do anymore. And she just broke down, and she's like, I know, Mom, I'm so bad, I'm so awful. Like, she just, like, this whole shame smile. I'm like, no, okay. Okay, like, we all sin. <laughs> we all make mistakes, and that's part of growing our whole lives. Um, is God teaches us how to overcome things. But we need, we don't know how to overcome this, and so we need to ask Him. And so I showed her these verses, and I said, so let's just pray and see if He, He teaches us what to do about this. But we're gonna pray, and then we're gonna be quiet and listen. And whatever comes to, your mind, you have to believe it's from God and not doubt it. So that's what it says. And she's like, okay, so we did this. And so we prayed the prayer. God, we don't know what to do about this. We want to follow you. Make it clear. The other thing I always pray when I do this is, God, silence all distracting thoughts. Silence my thoughts. Silence other thoughts that are not from you so I can hear just from you. I always say that when I do this. And so we did it, and then we just paused for like two minutes. 
and sat there with our eyes closed. And the whole time I'm like, God, please drop, please drop, please drop, please drop. Because like, if you don't speak to my daughter right now, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like, I am throwing you a Hail Mary, God. <laughs> and I need you to reveal yourself to my daughter. She needs to know that you're real. And so after about two minutes, I was like, okay, Mikkel, what came to your mind? And she says, I need to watch Veggie Tales. And I'm like, okay, well, that was a lost cause. <laughs> but, I, you know, that's what I thought. But I didn't say that. I'm like, because we got to believe and not doubt, right? And so I'm like, okay, go watch Veggie Tales. And so she, you know. At five years old, that was about all she was allowed to watch on TV was VeggieTales. And so she went and she got her VeggieTales and she put the episode in and was watching. And I was doing dishes in the kitchen. And it was playing for a while. And then all of a sudden she pauses it. And she's like, Mom, right there. That's what God wanted me to hear. And it helped her. And I was just like, oh, my word. Thank you, God. But he will speak to you if you are quiet. You ask him to silence all other thoughts. But when he speaks to you, you have to believe and not doubt. Okay? So those are my examples from my life. Those are my tips. I hope that helps. Um, fasting is another thing. But that's a big topic that maybe we'll talk about another time. Um of how fasting helps discerning. Fasting is like the ultimate of removing all other distractions so you can hear from God. Um, but I just want to encourage you, encourage you with Jesus' words. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for God has overcome the world. And he has not abandoned you. He has given you the spirit of truth and the spirit of power. And you do not have to go places and do all kinds of crazy things to access that spirit. He is in you. And he is ready and willing. And so I hope you take time to invest in learning to listen to the Holy Spirit. There are times where I'm like, okay, Spirit, I know I haven't been listening. I don't know if you ever feel like this. There's times I feel like the Spirit is... Filling me and there's time that I feel like I've squashed it down. <laughs> and I need to pray to unsquash it. To unsquash him. Yeah. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you you have not left us alone. I thank you that you love and care for us enough to send your spirit. Father, we pray that we will only speak seek your spirit that we will not seek out other false forms of wisdom from other spirits but only your spirit and god i pray you will grow our love for your word so that we can recognize your spirit's voice and i pray god you'll show us where those times of stillness are and, and help us make time to listen to you. Because we do trust you, Lord. We know you have good plans for us. Thank you.
that you are good and faithful, that you generously give no matter what our current status. Help us to depend on you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.